tell you one of mine. I remember we, Virginia and I had not been married long, and I, we went to this baby shower together. I know we hadn't been married long because I agreed to go. <laughs> and she was just, for some reason, really wanted me to go to this baby shower. We get there, we knock on the door, they open up the door, and there's uh, a handful of women talking at the doorway. So Virginia immediately engages in conversation, you know, girl talk with the women. I glance across the room, and I see six or eight women talking. The little alarm's going off in my head. I just left Virginia, went on into the kitchen. There was the hostess, Jan, and another six or eight women. So, you know, the alarm bell's really going off. I said, "Uh, excuse me, Jan, is this just for women? And she looked at me, and she said, yes. And it wasn't one of those, yes, but you're welcome to stay yeses, you know. It was a, yes, what are you doing here? So I left, went right out the kitchen door and left. Called Virginia about a half an hour later. She had no idea I was gone. I think she hadn't left the front door still. She said, are you in, like, the bedroom or something? So, uh, but the good news was, you know, I don't know that I've been to a baby shower since. I've been able to milk that for the last 20 years, so. But, you know, it was awkward because clearly I was the only man among a bunch of women. But the real key was I wasn't invited. And when you go to some place and you're not invited, you really don't feel like that's your place. A friend of mine owns a very small piece of the Oakland A's baseball team, enough so that he gets good seats, and that's, that's about his main perk. But a couple, of, a couple of years ago, he was at the game when they clinched the division title. They won the division. And another owner invited him to go down to the locker room and celebrate. I said, wow, how great was that? He said, I've never felt so out of place in my entire life. I said, really? He said, I'll never do that again. You see, even though he was invited, he hadn't earned his way into that. He didn't have any relationships with any guys on the team. He's just some, you know, suit who owns part of the team. These guys have been, you know, sharing blood, sweat, and tears for nine months, and he was just not a part of it. So what's the point of those stories? You know, if you're out of play, so what? Well, I believe that if you're filled with the Spirit, The result of that, that we should all show, is spiritual fruits. Listen to Galatians 5, 22. You know this one, but it's a great one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. You see, if we really are filled with the Spirit, we we ask God to fill us with His Holy Spirit, We just radiate these things. And when we do, we're like Jesus. We're more like Jesus, and people are drawn to us just like people were drawn to Jesus. So I think it doesn't matter where you are, whether you've been invited or whether you're not invited, whether you've not earned your way to that that particular place, if you really just exude these qualities, people want to be around you. They want you there because they want to be around you. It's It's very powerful. You see... The main job of the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Jesus. And that's what happens. People want to be with us. Do you find you are arguing with people at work? Are you at odds with your kids? Are you having trouble getting a second date? Perhaps a first date? Maybe you're trying too hard to please everybody else, please man, and you need to be pleasing your Heavenly Father. Don't work so hard. Don't wear yourself out. Please God. Seek his approval and pray that he will fill you with his his spirit. Watch what happens. 
What about when you're in a, in a place for a long period of time, something more important than a party or a celebration, something like your job, where you live? How do you know if you're in the right place? Well, sometimes it's clear that someone is exactly where they ought to be, and they're just in the right place, and you, you just know it. I mean, I think of people like, you know, if you stop and think about that, you'll come up with some good ones. Right away, I think of Mother Teresa. She, she just did an amazing thing for however many years. She, was, she, she helped minister to the needy, minister to the sick, to the poor. Everybody loved her, and she clearly loved doing that. She, was a, you know, she had a, the gift of, ser, of serving, and it was just, just a great fit. Think back to the best teacher that you ever had. And you think about that, and you'll probably, you'll, 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 it'll give you a good feeling because you'll remember some of the things you learned from that man or woman. But if you think about it, you'll think, you know, that person was doing just what they needed to be doing. He or she was just in the right place. And they probably had a passion for doing that. Any, any teacher who's really good just has a passion to teach people to learn. I think about coaches. There's coaches like this. Whether you're, whether you're an FSU fan or not, you have to love Bobby Bowden. The guy's been around for, you know, 50 years. He's won more college football games than anybody in history. But more important than that, he's been a, a, a father figure to literally thousands of, of athletes who've gone through there. He's helped mold their views on life, their morals. It must have been amazing how much impact that guy's had. He's in the right place. I think many people here at River City Church, a number of staff, many volunteers are just really blossoming. And you're, just, you're really doing just what you ought to be doing right now as it relates to the church, and you're having an impact. But what if you're in a bad place? Say with your job, something else that's important. How can you get out of that? And has Jesus abandoned you? No. Go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, and Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's not, I'm with you always, unless you make a bad decision or two, then you're on your own. Or unless you read your Bible every day. Or unless I'm kind of tied up and I've got too many other more important people than you. No, Jesus is not like that. He says, I'm with you always. You could be in a bad place. Let's call it a desert place. None of your fault, or perhaps it is your fault. And whichever it is, maybe it's part of God's plan, and you need to learn something. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit. They were jealous of him. He had the, the dream. He was going to rule over them. They threw him in the pit. Bad place. Egyptians picked him up, took him off. He ended up in prison for a number of years. Bad place. Next thing you know, interprets a, a dream or two, has some other things happen. He's Pharaoh's right-hand man. He's so highly regarded and highly respected that he's running the country most important country in the world at that time, and Joseph is the man. Well, the thing is, the whole time, I mean, it appears that clearly God had the plan. He told him the dream to begin with, and God never left him. Through the thick and thin, God was always with him. You know, when you think about people being in a bad place and it's not their fault, you can think of a number of those situations, but one that just really gets all of us because you, you, you just feel so much sympathy are children who are being abused, either physically or sexually. What do they do to do that? What can they do to get out of that? 
Well, I've, I've prayed with enough people and seen inner healing take place, and I've, I've talked to, you know, Virginia and a number of people at CHM who've done the same thing, that often what these people say, and they may not have even known it when they were a kid, but they know it now and they say it, and it's really encouraging. They say, you know, I realize now God never left me. He was always there. You know, and it's, it may have been because something that could have happened didn't happen or because something good did happen, but it got them out of that, and they realized they were never alone, even as tough as it was. I liked what Barry Kissel said a couple of weeks ago. He said, desert is life without the blessing of God. But Jesus came to reclaim the desert. So Jesus is the water that brings the desert to life. If you're in a bad place, pray that Jesus will come and that he will show you the place that he wants you. Remember the Proverbs 3, verse chapters 5 and 6. It's a classic. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Well, again, if God is saying he will make straight our paths, he's not trying to trick us. Those paths lead to a place where he wants us. It's a safe place. So pray for that and acknowledge God in all that you do. Also, I would say, if you are in a bad place, sometimes it helps to remember that we all really will be in a lot of different places in our lifetime, but God has one place for us, and that's heaven. And he's reserved a spot. Jesus has guaranteed us a reservation there. As Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 2, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. So to summarize these first two points, no matter what place you are in, try to please God and pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. And as you become more like Jesus, people will be drawn to you. And you'll, you'll find, you'll be welcomed anywhere. Secondly, God is always with you, whether you're in a good place or a bad place, and he wants to straighten your paths and lead you to a good place. The concept of a place or places is very important in the Old Testament. For instance, God is often promising land to the Israelite leaders. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God says to Abraham, go to a land that I will show you. And he tells him all the other things he's going to do, but that's the first part of the promise. Don't worry, I've got land for you. Moses, of course, spent 40 years going through the desert, taking the Israelites to what? The promised land. And Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, they went to the places that God told them to, and then they were often building altars to God in remembrance of something special that God did at that particular place. Again, places were special. When God instructs Moses and Aaron to build him a tent of the tabernacle, and God is actually, you go through, I'm doing the uh, one-year Bible, and I'm going through Exodus right now, Leviticus and those things. He really, it's very detailed. God's talking to Moses how to do everything. And when he's telling him how to build the tent of the tabernacle, he talks about not only a, quote, holy place, but a most holy place, a holy of holies. So places were big. Yet places don't seem to be as important in the New Testament. Look in the Strong's Concordance at the Old Testament references for place and places in the New Testament, and there's seven to eight times as many in the Old Testament. Why is this? I think 
The answer is, is in the book of John. This is John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And again, a little later in that chapter, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So you see, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, so now you are the holy place. I think a good analogy of this might be what's happened with telephones. It used to be that there were only landlines, and when you tried to call someone, really, you hoped to reach them, but the reality was you weren't calling a person, you were calling a location, and you hoped that person was there. Now, with cell phones, it's like cell phone assuming it's with you, you can actually call a person. You know, college students, third world countries, they skip landlines altogether right now. They just go straight to cell phones. So, places aren't as important now as they were in the Old Testament since the Holy Spirit can reside in each of us. Yet there are still holy places. A church, for example. So why is River City Church holy? Because God is here. How do we know God's here if we can't see him? It is God in us as we love one another that people see. Isn't that great? God in us, the Holy Spirit, as we love one another. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. You know, clearly a reason River City Church is so much fun, aside from the fact that you never know what Antley's going to do, but people, people here, there's so many people here that desperately want to love everybody who comes through these doors, and, and people feel that. You know, we're all sinners, but when we love each other, it's the Holy Spirit or God in us that comes out, and that's just appealing to everyone. You could see that. A minister friend told me about uh, going to a conference out west not too long ago with another minister, and they, they had dinner at the restaurant, the hotel restaurant bar, and they, they struck up a conversation with these rough-looking guys next to them. And after a while, they, they said, appeared that they were regulars and everybody knew them. They said, you know, why do you guys come here all the time? And their answer was really simple. They, they, these guys said, well, they just, the bartender, the waitresses, everybody here, they just are nice to us. They just love us. They treat us like family or friends. Of course, these ministers, one of them said, well, you get that at church, right? Why don't you go to church? And one of the guys said, you know, I went to church and it was, it was like I had some kind of disease. But that's the way too many churches are. Not when you have the Holy Spirit in you. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can't do that. You, just, you have too many of these qualities that just show you love people. You know, so you are the holy place. Every one of you what does that mean outside of being nice to other people? 
as you pray for the Spirit to fill you, you will get more and more of a sense that you are supposed to do certain things. People may pop into your head when you're dreaming. Pray for them. You know, maybe it's something more specific, but at least pray for them. That's the Holy Spirit when you dream about somebody. I, I'm, I mean, it's, it's scary being around some of these prophetic people now because I'll generally run into somebody and, you know, think of one woman in particular, and she said, yeah, I woke up at 3 o'clock the other night and I prayed for you. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm glad she's praying for me. But um, pray for them. It may be that you're supposed, to do, you're supposed to encourage people. Just do something simple like that. God will allow you to take advantage of your gifts. Just be open to the Spirit. I'll tell you a story that happened to my, uh, over that's played out over the last year with a friend of mine from Detroit named Tony. Tony's in the investment business. He's just a, just a big bear of a guy. Just really, he's an evangelist at heart. He just uses his investment business as a platform to evangelize. And Tony, he's had this Bible study going at his, for men at his, at his house um, for a number of years at 8 o'clock on Saturday, 20, 30 guys show up. But this one guy that he didn't know very well just was really on Tony's mind. And he just felt like he was supposed to love him. Guys, I don't know the guy's name. Let's call him Bob. But Bob, he said, was just a tough nut. A man's man kind of guy, serious, man of few words. Real, real, just a tough exterior. And Tony just felt like he's supposed to love him. So he tried to think of how to do that. And he decided the best way was to just go with Bob when he went to watch his son play high school basketball games. Tony says, you know, it was fine. They'd say maybe three sentences to each other the whole night. But he'd go with him, come back. After the third or fourth game, he said uh, they were driving home, and Bob said to him, still, man, a few words, Bob said, still got that Bible study on Saturdays? Tony said, yeah. He said, I think I should come. Tony said, great. Come on. That'd be great. Bob starts going. Within a couple of months, he's like a new guy. He just seems much more at peace. He's much easier to talk to. He's just, a, he's just you know, really a, a pleasant guy now. But that's not the best part of the story. The best part of the story is, after a couple of months, Bob says to Tony, you know Dave, that guy whose 12-year-old son just committed suicide? Tony said, I, yeah, I, heard, I, I know he lives in the neighborhood. I don't know him, but I read about that. That's just awful. Bob says, he needs to come to your Bible study. I'll bring him. Tony says, okay, that'd be great. Dave starts coming, seems to like it. He's go, he goes for, he's, he's a regular, comes every Saturday. About six months after he starts coming, Tony opens the Detroit paper one day, and on one of the front pages, it may have been the front page, but the front page of one of the sections, there's an article about Dave. Somebody has interviewed him, and they've, and they've, and they've done a story about him. Well, when his son killed himself, Dave, as you wouldn't, not surprisingly, just felt awful, felt guilty, felt shame. He said life wasn't worth living anymore. There's no reason for him to live. was thinking about how he was going to kill himself. He was just going to commit suicide. He said somebody started taking to this Bible study. He said he just fellowshiped with other men. He said uh, it was, he learned that Jesus loves him. Jesus, you know, God has a plan for all of us. And that he'd see his son again in heaven. And it, life was worth living. So here was a guy completely transformed who could, have, who could have put that story the way, it, the way it happened? You know, Tony didn't know that. All Tony knew was he was supposed to love Bob. So, you know, that's a good story when you feel, for you when you feel a nudge, when you feel maybe I'm supposed to do this. Sometimes all it takes is an encouraging word for somebody. It makes a huge difference. Sometimes we'll never know what a pat on the back or an encouraging word can do for someone.
you know, we were while we were, this was really hitting me during worship time, but not, and, and uh, just in terms of how we operate as a church, how we operate as a body, I just felt uh, I got a pretty strong picture, so I'll share it because it kind of relates. But I started feeling like, a little bit like, well, I could do this or I could do that. And I felt God say, yeah, you could, but you need a team. You can't do it nearly as well if you don't have other people helping you and other people doing this and other people doing that. You use your gifts, but there's gifts you don't have. And I, and I feel like God is, was saying to those people who, who feel like, I'm really not contributing much of anything or what difference is this going to make, that's wrong. We're all part of the team. You know, it's a body. It's that analogy of every, all parts of the body. And we need everything. We need everybody to, to chip in or we don't function like we should, like God wants us to. So what place are you in now? Where are you relative to what God wants you, where God wants you? Remember, you are the holy place, and God wants to fill you and to use you. A couple of weeks ago, I went to a luncheon in Orlando for Desire Street Ministries. That's Danny Werfel's ministry, and he was, they were raising money for that. And, and he spoke, and he's just he's terrific to listen to. He's so humble. He's so, such a neat guy. He told... Uh, he told a funny story. You know, Danny, of course, was one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever and pretty much a total bust in the NFL. And he, and he, he told a story about the NFL. He said this pretty much summed up his NFL career. He said, uh, I was talking to someone who, after the first service who remembered seeing this highlight on ESPN a number of times. But um, Danny said it was his first start. It was against Carolina Panthers. He went back to pass. A guy came charging in from his blind side and dove in the air and smacked him in the helmet, helmet to helmet which now you know is 15-yard penalty and a big fine, but then it was fair game. He was going down hard. As he's going down, he thought he could still have time to, to throw the ball to somebody that was in the flat. He looks up to see where he is, only he's blind. Can't see a thing. T- takes the sack, falls down. He stands up, a little groggy, but he stands up, totally blind. Can't see a thing. He said, the guy had hit his helmet and spun it around. <laughs> He's trying to look out the back of his helmet through the pads while his mouthpiece and everything is, you know, the player's quickly fixing him up. So you can see why it made the ESPN highlights. And Danny says, so that pretty much summed up my NFL career. But Danny's just, Danny is, uh, you know, he always had a passion for playing football, but he's one of those guys that even when he was great at the University of Florida, he had a stronger passion for Jesus. He just loved Jesus. So his last year, you know, he was at the, with Saints, the Packers, and then the Redskins. And he was with the Redskins before the season, and he said, in the morning, he was living in New Orleans because he, he, he just connected with New Orleans, and he got involved with that ministry early on, Desire Street, roughest, poorest part of New Orleans, just really, really tough area. He said in the mornings, he would drive up to this one intersection, and he would go right to go to the gym where he'd lift weights and train and work out for the Redskins, go home for lunch, come back to that same intersection in the afternoon, and he'd go left, where he'd go hang out with the kids. He'd have Bible studies. He just would encourage them. He'd play games with them, just love them, just do all the things with that, that they do with those kids at the ministry. And he said, you know, it got harder and harder to turn right. He just wanted to go be with the kids and do the ministry thing. So the Redskins cut him right at the end of the preseason, and a lot of people are thinking, he's still young, you can go, I mean, you can, in the NFL, you're a quarter, you can make a million dollars for holding a clipboard, you know, and being the third string. So everybody assumed Danny was just a hook on with another team. But Danny knew 
where his place was. He knew what his passion was, and he knew where God wanted him to be, where he would be the most fulfilled. So he quit turning right. He said, no, I quit. And he, and he went full-time. He's been full-time ever since with Desire Street Ministries. Are you in the right place right now? Or is it harder and harder for you to turn right? No matter where you are, God is with you. And he wants to make your path straight and lead you to the place where you should be. And as we encourage each other and call on God to fill us with his spirit, can we make a difference? Are you kidding? With God in us, every one of us, we can change the world. Starting with this little part of Jacksonville and the places where we work and the schools where we go, even the Cubas and the Dominican Republics of the world, the places where we go to do missions. Yes, we can change the world, and God wants us to. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you do have a place for each of us while we're here, Lord, so we can fulfill what you wanted us to do for you. I pray that you'll make it clear to each of us which way we're to turn, which way we're to go, and that you'll show us favor. Pray that we can continue to love each other, Lord, and that others can see God in us, and that all that does is make more and more people want to do the same thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, we're going to have, um, as we always do, thanks, Dad, a time of, of ministry. And um, again, it's, it's apparent that obviously God is doing stuff and releasing men today. And uh, we want to continue to create a platform for that through the ministry time. But also, uh, just again, as we were, as we're speaking and as, as Thou was talking and we were praying through worship. Give me your phone. Where's that phone? I'll talk to him. But uh, as, um, don't mess up this rainbow. I'm getting ready to, all right? Just turn the phones off. But, um, you know, just I, I know personally a number of people who are very gifted, very uh, men and women but don't have a sense of direction right now in their life. Um, and it's either because they're getting ready to move into a new phase or they've been in the phase of life that they've been in a long time, they're getting bored of that phase or whatever, but there's a dissatisfaction in their life. And in particular, uh, what I was sensing is that left in that place of not knowing where we belong, we will eventually fall prey to our enemy. That he will use our idleness and the lack of our passion for good and use it for evil. That, he, that we, we were created... To be used. We are created to be led. We are created, you know, for, for purpose. And when we stop pursuing that, we, are in a, we become very dangerous to ourselves and to those around us. We begin to wound other people. We begin to do things that just because we're bored. And so I really want this service. Uh, and again, we didn't do this last service. I think this service where, where God wants to minister are, are to those folks who feel like they're in limbo, who feel like they're in transition, who feel like they're, they don't know what their life holds for them, and they're frustrated. They might be angry at God, and you want to bring that to him today. You want to talk to him to that today. But again, more than anything, the Father, that one of the great stories through the Old and New Testament is the story of God leading his people. You know, Thad talked a little bit about that, leading his people. And again, he no longer leads us to places because we are the place. 
where he resides, and he wants to take himself into other places. And so he wants to lead you. You know, he wants to lead you. And so we're going to l- create room this morning for you to come forward and to say, all right, Lord, what is it? What is the passion that you've given me? What is it on my heart that you've placed for me to do? You know, life is too short to settle, to lower the bar and just kind of be, be here our whole life and be flat and to just get by. We weren't made to just get by. We are created with purpose to bring in, to usher in the most powerful kingdom, the kingdom of God, to bring life and transformation. And we cannot bring life and transformation if we are flat, if we are dead, if we are going to, you know, we're satisfied by being in the desert. So let's move the first couple rows of chairs. We're going to invite, you know, again, our prayer ministers are going to come down. And, And this, we have 25 minutes for folks to receive, to stay here. We have your kids for 25 more minutes. And we just invite everyone to begin. You don't have to come forward, but ask everyone to participate in this in the sense of just saying, God, I want to know what you want for me. I want to be passionate. I want to be used. I want to be empowered by you. And again, specifically and especially for men today. And if you want... um, if you want physical prayer for uh, physical healing, again, just kind of come over by this white pole over here, and we'll have folks praying for people for physical healing. And maybe you want to come and just, you need to hear from God. Maybe in your life, you just need to be reaffirmed of the Father's love. And that's something that we always encourage people to come and receive is, is just more and more of God's love. And again, being filled with the Spirit is not like, getting a tattoo. Once you get this tattoo and you're done with it, it's more like, you know, filling your cart with gas. You need to do it again. It's like eating. You do it again and again and again. Not that the Holy Spirit seeps out, but because we are wounded, we, we move in and out of waves in our life, and we need to be empowered by the Spirit to become who we are created to be. So let's just fill up the space. If everyone could stand, that'd be great. And we're going we're gonna to pray and invite God to just meet us today and do whatever He wants. And again, as I pray, as I invite the Holy Spirit to come, I can be wrong. There could be a whole other group of, of people that he wants to minister to. So, so come forward in expectation that God's going to give you, regardless of what Antley says or, or what's happened in the service, that God will bring you to and speak to you specifically in a way that you need to hear from him. So just find space. And again, your job is to just respond. Just allow God to minister. Open your heart to receive what he has for you. Let's pray. Father, first, we just pray that just all the the barriers that we have in our life, all the brokenness that we have in our life, all of our failure, all of our sin, that you would just come and lift that right now. Just allow that to rise to the surface so that we can repent as we confess that to you. As we let you have that, we can receive your forgiveness. Just come, Holy Spirit. We just open ourselves up to you, Lord, to come in power now. Father, would you send your spirit to speak to us, to reveal to us our place, our passion, what you have for us. We want to know, Lord, how you want to use us.
how you desire for our worship to look, our life to look for you. Just come, Holy Spirit, in your power right now. We just ask, Father, that you would send your spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and to speak and to lead all of us into your presence. Let's just wait. Just wait and listen to the Lord. have a sense that there are people in here who, again, have become bored with life and just have a, again, just have a sense that you've been after the, the power that man has to offer, the, the privilege that the world has to offer, the wealth that the world shows us, and it's, it's caused you to change jobs, it's caused you to shift because you feel bored, but it's because you're after the wrong thing. And again, just have a sense that the Father is just saying, you need to come to me for your purpose. It's not going to be found in this world. It's not going to be found in your job, that he is the one who will create purpose in your life. And what you've mistaken to be a job change, a time for a change in job, is him saying, wait, come to me and allow me to lead you, allow me to fill you, allow me to be the one who gives you identity and purpose. It's my power, not the world's. Father, we just pray that you would minister to those folks, that your Holy Spirit would come and just reveal the truth of that message for the individuals that you want to hear that today. You would give them patience, Lord. Just come, Holy Spirit. Again, just speak to us now. If our prayer ministers could start just moving around, laying a hand on folks, on their shoulders and blessing what God's doing, listening. Again, we don't do directive prayers. We're not telling people where to go, what jobs to take. We're just listening to the Father and blessing what he's doing. We're encouraging folks this morning as they seek to be open. Just come, Holy Spirit, again. We ask for you to come and to, to lead us now. So prayer ministers, make their way around. Just know that if you would like a female to pray for you, if you're a female or someone of the same sex to pray for you and someone of the opposite sex comes, just tell them, hey, I'd like someone of the same sex. And they'll, our ministers know that that's normal and, and that uh, we want you to feel comfortable up here and we want you to feel like you can trust who's praying for you, and that's, that's fine. So just tell the prayer minister that, and they'll move to another person. Just come, Lord. We just pray that you would come and speak to us. Just bring your freedom right now. The new prayer minister is going to be moving around, also shadowing. If you could find a prayer minister to shadow with, that'd be great.
just raise your hand if you have not received prayer. Just raise your hand. Just keep it up so our prayer ministers can see you. We're making our way around. Just um, your prayer ministers could look around right now. We'll get around to you. Just keep receiving. Just open. Just receive what God has for you.